How's everybody doing tonight? Good? Well, there's a sweet presence of the Lord here right now. There, there really has been all weekend, to be honest. Actually, last weekend as well. Like, the, the Lord is moving. Like, one of the most, it, you know, the Lord is always moving. So let's say that. But there's different, um, you know, seasons. And we serve a God of seasons. And God's always moving differently. I think one of our, our challenges as a believer is, like, what is God moving on now? What does it look like now? How is God speaking to us? How is he challenging us? That's one, one of our calls as the believers that were um, a little bit of what I said this morning, that we're called to be led by the Spirit of God. And that means that we uh, also have to learn to recognize how God's Spirit is speaking, uh, not only to us, but through us. And, um, you know, it's, I think, you know, really easy to kind of look and think of the Holy Spirit as, you know, just an it or a power, but he is a person. And, um, and so uh, we need to learn how to build relationship with the Father and with the Son, Jesus, but then also with the person of the Holy Spirit. And so um, I just want to share briefly from a passage. This is something that's actually just been kind of, uh, kind of working out in me in different ways. I'm, I'm just going to take one part of it tonight um, uh, that I feel like to share uh, to us uh, uh, for this evening, and then uh, we can do some some ministry together. I'm in fact actually going to talk about the Holy Spirit and um, that's what I, I felt to do before I came but I felt even more so uh, in the last few days and then even what what Jeff was uh, you know praying uh, earlier and speaking of that when we draw near to God that God's Spirit draws near to us um, and so I'm going to talk out of actually uh, Psalm 51 this evening so if you have your Bible um, go ahead and, and turn there or turn it on or whatever it is. <laughs> so this is actually, let me just give you a little bit of context here because this is a psalm that is uh, from David. So David uh, in the Bible, those of you that are new to church or new tonight, or David was, um, you know, a king, but before he was a king, you know, he was a shepherd boy and he was trained in the field. He was trained as he cared for sheep. That's how God uh, trained him for kingmanship. And um, he was also a worship leader and he was a songwriter. And many of the Psalms are written by David. And David was the one that the Bible talks about, that he was a man after God's own heart. And so when we think about David, that's often the verse that people bring up and that he was a powerful king. And I even mentioned him this morning, how he served, you know, God's purpose in his generation and then he died. And so he did what it was that God called him to do. Um, but David was, you know, a, a hot mess at times. Like he was messy. And he, he, how many know, he, every, you know, person in the Bible as well as us today, um, you know, have made a lot of mistakes. I think one of the great things is I'm really glad that my mistakes aren't written down forever. You know what I mean? Um, and David was no different. Like his weaknesses, um, his training, um, how God trained him, the things that, that had to get worked out in him, and then also where he, he really did, you know, fail in really big ways um, in his life. And so Psalms uh, 51 is a psalm from David, and this is actually after David um, is grieving and he's repenting from the adultery that he had. So when he was king, and it talks about it in 2 Samuel, that there was a, there was a, a partner, so to speak, a prophetic voice 
to David that came to him, and his name was Nathan. And in 2 Samuel, it talks about that the Lord sent Nathan to David because David was now in kingship. He had a lot of responsibility. He was entrusted by God to lead the people, and he was anointed by God. Uh, but there are some things that David got caught up in, and one of those things was adultery, and one of those things was murder. So, you know, just two tiny little things. And so God, what he does, what he did is in his great mercy, which probably didn't feel like mercy in the moment, he sends a, a Nathan to him, and he, he had to speak. Uh, you know, a, a bit of even what I said this morning, with courage uh, to David. And I love how he um, actually even explained to David of being caught in his sense. So he called him out, basically. That's in today's terms. He called him out for what he was doing. But the way that he did it, I love it because it's so uh, full of wisdom. So if you want to read that, go to 2 Samuel 12. You can read that. Nathan goes to David. He calls him out. It says the Lord sent Nathan to David. So he is sent by God. We need more Nathans in the church, by the way. But that they're anointed by God and that they're called by God, not to call people out, but to call the church to a higher call of living. And that's what's happening with David here, is that in 2 Samuel, Nathan goes to him and he, he gives him this story. And he, he, t he basically takes David on a journey so that David would come to his senses himself, that he would realize that what he was doing, that it was actually him in his sin, that God was in his great mercy uh, calling him out. And so Nathan said to him, you know, after he says, no, this story is actually about you, David, um, that uh, Nathan replied, the Lord has taken away your sin because how many know when we repent, you know, God's great promise to us is that he forgives us. He says, the Lord has taken away your sin. You are, you're not going to die, but because you're doing this, you have sown utter contempt for the Lord and the son uh, you will bear will die. That's the, that was the consequence for David's sin. We don't talk about consequence enough in the church, to be honest. There's a difference uh, between, a big difference between consequence and persecution. Consequence is a, is a byproduct of our choices and we live with consequence. We don't talk about it enough. There's a consequence to our choices. That's very different than persecution. Persecution, in fact, the devil gets way too much credit. Persecution is not when you make choices and then you have consequence. That's, that's called consequence. Persecution is when the enemy's coming at you in all kinds of different ways, but it's not a byproduct of your choices. Do you understand what I'm saying? Consequence is a byproduct of whatever choices we're making. It's either leading to good fruit or bad fruit, and we have good, good consequences or bad consequences. And David is going to reap a consequence that was real. And it was sobering and it was heartbreaking. If you read uh, what David lost in losing his son, I mean, it was a great, it was the price was very high. But in Psalm 51 here, I just want to read this because this is David's heart. I, that's why this is David's heart after when he's writing the psalm about being called out. In verse 1, it says this, Psalm 51, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Surely 
You desire truth in my inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let, me be, let my bones, the bones you have crushed, rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquity. So two times he says that. Verse 10, create in me a, a pure heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore me to the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Now let me just stop there for a minute because this is David. I think we've, this is a heart of repentance. I think we have in the church complicated repentance. Like repentance should be a part of our lifestyle, to be honest. Repentance is not about tears. Repentance is a posture. It's recognizing that when we sin, that we need God to come and wash us, to come and cleanse us, to kind of, you know, make things right again. This is David's response. Let's look at David's response. The first verse there, he says, and actually even the first verse in 2 Samuel, he says, I have sinned. So when Nathan comes to him, David's first response is, I have sinned. Then we find it again where he's like, Lord, I've sinned. I'm a sinner. He's in touch with that. He's been confronted, and now his heart is once again contrite. And David was a broken man at this point. He's broken. In verse 8, it says that his bones felt crushed. How many have ever, you know, gone through a season or felt like your bones would crush? But even David here says, but God, you allowed it. That was part of the consequence. God, you allowed for me to go through this. My bones, everything in me, it's so, it's breaking because of what I've done. We should feel like the, the, the consequence of our decisions. That's what David is literally feeling, that repentance. And he's a broken man. And I think it's a good reminder to us that no matter where we are in our walk with Jesus, that we need the Spirit of God. We need these reminders of repentance. And that if God is convicting us, it's because what we're settling for is not his best. And what God was doing with David is like, David, you're settling for below your birthright. What are you doing? You're acting outside of your kingship. And so God was convicting him. And how many know the conviction of God's spirit is God's love to us? When God convicts you of something, it's not to condemn you, it's to bring you into health and wholeness. That's what he had for David, and we need that reminder. And I know this, I know, I don't know a whole lot, but I do know this about Jesus. I know that God loves me far too much, he loves you far too much, that when it comes to the state of our spiritual health, that we either voluntarily go before the Lord and repent, because how many know sinners sin, or... We get pushed into it by others, like a Nathan comes into our life. How many have a Nathan? They just hold up a mirror, say, what? It's almost like, what are you doing? Like, why are you giving yourself to that? Why are you living in that? You're better than that. We need Nathans in our life. Or the third thing is that we keep going. We just ignore God's spirit. We just ignore the conviction. That's why the Bible says, don't harden your heart. That's a real thing. 
That when God convicts us, when we're not soft to the Spirit of God, we can actually ignore the Spirit of God. I think sometimes we don't see God's Spirit move in our lives because we're so busy looking for it in the wrong place when God's just dealing with something right here. Like whatever we said or whatever we did, the conviction of God is not to torment you, it's to heal you. And that's what God was doing with David. And David's response, verse 9, he's embarrassed. He's, he's embarrassed by his sin. He's, he's like, he just wants the sins he committed to be cleansed off, to just be washed again. You know, we live in a time that almost like an entitlement, and this has made its way into the church where, you know, there's almost this entitlement, like, I should get to do this, I have this right, I should have this right. We, we've lost the privilege, and especially when it comes to the presence and the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God, sometimes we can take advantage of Him because we so are used to Him being so good to us. We're so used to that His promise to us that when we gather, He can't help Himself but show up. When two or more are gathered, he, we can't help but, you know, remember all the times that when we do cry out for God that he comes. And it's so easy to take advantage of something that is given to us so freely. And in the church, sometimes I think we treat the spirit of God as, oh, we'll, we'll want you to come, but we only want you to come when it's convenient. I only want you to convict me when it's not uncomfortable. I don't want you to do it while I'm in this sin, maybe later, but I don't want to quit that right now. I don't want to stop sitting that right now. And we got to delay God's spirit at work or we ignore God's spirit at work. But when God's spirit is convicting us, there's purpose in that. And I think it's, we've got to do this in the church where we've got to own our stuff. Do you realize that actually owning our stuff is a really important thing to God? Because how can God, the kingdom of God is all about entrustment. So how can God entrust us with more if we're not being faithful with what's already in our hands? And a huge part of what's already in our hands is what God's doing with us internally. And I know the things that God wants to convict me in, it's not to hurt me, it's to take me to a better place. And is it not true that when we are aware of how much we need Jesus, and then just how much we miss the mark. Then we're like, Lord, come, come and cleanse me. Come and wash me. This is, I think David is now at a place. It's a healthy fear of the Lord. That's what's missing in the church. A healthy fear of the Lord. Now, now there, you know, God does not, is not into scaring you in order for you to follow him and say yes to him. He's a, he's a good God. He's a loving God. But there's a healthy fear of the Lord where we're just in awe and we're in reverence because he is the king of all kings. He is the right, righteous judge. You know, there's a sobriety in that. There's something to be revered in that. that it's a healthy fear of the Lord. A healthy fear of the Lord will always cause you to worship. And David was a worshiper. And that's what he's doing here in Psalm 51. He's worshiping in repentance. And I think his response is healthy here. He finally gets it. And now David is humble, but he's only humbled after he got caught. There's something about when God convicts us and we respond before there's like a mess, 
You know what I mean? Like David's already made a mess. Look at his language. Verse one, have mercy on me. Verse two, wash away all my iniquity, which means sin, and cleanse me again from my sin. For I know my transgressions, my sin. He knows it. He's in touch with it. There's a humility here. There's a posture of humility. That's what I'd like to see in the church, where we just recognize God's spirit and we go low. We recognize that we need not only the Lord over our life, but we need the Savior, the Savior of the world to come and wash us clean again, just like David needed. Verse 7, it says, cleanse me, but it also means to be purged. How many just need sometimes God to just come purge stuff out of your life? Wash things out that aren't healthy. Verse 9, I love this. Again, this is out of where you can see he's embarrassed a bit, where he says, hide your face. He's talking to God. Hide your face from my sin. Like, when's the last time we've talked to God like that? Well, I don't want you to see what I'm doing. We just play like he doesn't see. We'll just deal with it when we want to deal with it. But there's a humility here. And now David's humility is allowing him to see what he was blind to. And he did become blind. Because it wasn't just the sin of adultery, it was the sin of pride. This is really important when we talk about the person of the Holy Spirit. The sin that David committed is that he believed he could commit adultery, he could commit murder, and it was okay because he was king. He could get away with it. I know that this is a sobering message, but the truth is this is how we live. Like We live to the point of if we can get away with things. And then we expect God's power to still come. That is the power of ego. That's why the Bible says a great fall always comes after pride. Pride is just ego. And an and ego left unchecked does a lot of damage. David's platform without humility only empowered his ego, which led to his downfall. And it was crippling him. It crippled him as a follower of Christ way before it crippled him as king. It was hurting him as king. It was hurting his leadership. John Lennon said this. He said, part of me suspects that I'm a loser, and the other part of me thinks I'm God Almighty. But if you think about culture, that is, we've almost, in fact, one of the concerns I've had in the church, this is like like the church, big C church, is that, We see God move, and it's almost like, well, if God can do it, I can do it. And I'm like, no, where's the posture of humility? Like, where's the posture, like, that God invites us into his kingdom? Where's the posture, Lord, where's the posture of, Lord, cleanse me? Where's the posture of really knowing who I am? It's not about beating us down. It's about recognizing that we're not God. And the ego left unchecked, it just does so much damage. I think as the church, we have to remember our place. We have to remember that we're not God. How many of you know, we're not God. Like we're not to be in charge. We're not the Holy Spirit. We're not the Father. We're not the Son. We're not leading this thing. He is. We're followers first. We're servants first. And there's a big price to pay for picking your pride over humility. There's a huge price tag on that, an empowered ego. You know what it does and what it did for David is that it cut him off from the power of God's spirit. That is a huge price to pay. And when David sees it, that's when David realizes, oh my gosh, 
That's when he starts repenting. That's when he's like, oh, Lord, wash me, cleanse me, because he's recognized, oh, my gosh, I cannot do what I am meant to do without your spirit. And all we have to do as the church is recognize that when we don't have God's spirit, that we're not operating in the power that we're supposed to, right? All we have to do is lose that for a little bit to recognize that's not worth it. It's not worth it to do the, the work of God without the spirit of God. It's not worth it to love God without God. It's not worth it to do ministry without Jesus leading the way. That's a huge price to pay, which is why David has this posture now in Psalm 51 where he's like, Lord, wash me, cleanse me, purify me, get rid of everything. That's the power of humility because now the king that's in the natural can see that he needs the king in the spiritual. He, need, he saw himself in a light. His ego was so big. His pride was so big. This is not even about position. This is about in your life. If you don't let God reign over your life, where you're led by the spirit of God and allow God's spirit to convict you when needed, then your own ego will lead your life. And it only leads to a fall. It doesn't, it's not about position. It's about our heart and where our heart is at. And here, David's response is where we see, and this is the good news to us tonight. And let's look at verse 10 again. I want to read this. He says this in verse 10. He says, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence. See, like he knows it. Please don't let, take your presence from me. Please don't cast me, which means to throw away. Don't cast me aside. Don't, that's what it means there. Don't cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. There's three different things that are, that are kind of on repeat. They're create, they're renew, and they're restore. The word uh, create there literally means to, to, to shape. It means to form. It means to bring into existence. This is the good news to us tonight. And this also tells me that David knew that without the spirit of God, he couldn't change. So he's praying, God, would your spirit come and bring into existence what is not existing in me right now? That's the power of God in us. He's saying, create it. He's saying, Lord, renew it, which means to be repaired. How many of you know, like, when we sin and when we do stupid stuff or just through life, like, we need to be repaired. That's one of the things that God's spirit does. That's what David's saying here. He's, Lord, you know, not only create it, but repair my life. Repair, Lord, will you repair some of the damage? Will you repair some of the, you know, the, the consequences of my own choices? That's his prayer here. And then he says restore, which means to come back. It means to return. And it also means continually. So this is like a picture of like, this isn't just one time. This is like a prayer that's like, like ongoing. Lord, would you continue to recreate? Would you continue to restore? Would you continue to renew? And then it means spiritually. But it also means the word restore there also means repentance. So it's all through David's language. And David knows that without God's spirit, it's not going to happen. And I love this. One of the translations of the word restore there literally means help me be free. It means freedom. 
How many know we cannot obey God without God's spirit helping us? That's what David is praying. I love that verse in verse 12 where he says, Lord, grant me a willing spirit. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. How many know, like when we remember where we came from, like the rescuing that God's done to us, like how God healed you, how he's even brought you here tonight. You know, or when you get caught in something or some addiction or some struggle, or then God just showed up and God helped you and he stood with you. And he sent people to walk alongside of you. And he's saying that, restore that joy and that salvation. When I first got saved, put that back inside of me. And then he says, grant me. Like this is the heart cry. Grant me a willing spirit. Again, he he knows that if it's just him, it's not going to happen. He's asking God to put that inside of him. And translated that means, Lord, you've got to renew me. I cannot change in my own power. That's also a healthy fear of the Lord, and that's walking in humility. And you know the truth is, David just lost sight. He lost sight. I mean, he's in kingship. So he, he's been trained properly. David was trained. He was trained in the, I mean, he was trained in a hard way. But he lost sight of his call, and he lost sight of, of just the gift and the presence of God on his life. And that was costly. It cost him greatly. And where we struggle with the desire to be reformed, you know what the good news is? When we struggle with that, when we struggle with, with things that aren't in us that we even want to change, it's the Spirit of God that does it for us. It's what gives us the power to change and it's not just for us because how many know when you're king and you commit adultery and you make a mess and murder and all that you make a mess you got to know your wake your choices don't just affect you they affect the people around you so when we sin when i if when i when i sin they don't just affect me they affect the people that love me there's a great verse in lamentation 1 9 it says she did not consider her future and her fall was astounding. Know who you are. Know what you carry. Know what God's anointed you for. And this is the challenge. Don't live below your birthright. You know, we're all, we're all priests. In the kingdom of God, we're, called, we're, we're priests. We're called to royalty. We're chosen by God. We're called to live in a certain place and in a certain way. And it's the humility that actually empowers us to live and also lead in power. So whatever it is that God has you doing in this life, it's God's spirit that really makes the difference. This is just one form of ministry. Wherever you work, that's your platform for ministry. Wherever you serve, whatever, how many kids you have, whatever, you're, you're a homemaker, whatever it is, that's your platform for ministry. And it's God's spirit and it's from that place of humility that God can use us in power. That's why it says in verse 13 here, I love this. It says, then, after he says, grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. He's like, oh my gosh, I don't know, God, if I can do this. I actually don't know if I, that's, what, that's how I hear this. I need you to put your spirit inside of me, grant it to me, to bring stability to me, to sustain me. And then he says this in verse 13, then I will teach 
transgressors your ways and sinners will turn back to you. Sometimes we do that all backwards. We think we have to do it all in our own power. We try to make everything happen. It's after God's spirit comes and washes us and cleanses us and renews us and repairs us and restores us. It's then that God's power comes and then we're empowered to teach. Then we're empowered to serve. Then we're empowered to give. Do you understand? It's from the place of being filled. We're filled to give. And sometimes when we do it in our own strength and our own power, David was operating as king, so he had to be under all kinds of pressure. And that pressure is what led to temptation and just stupidity. Just stupidity. How many of you have ever made a stupid decision? You're like, oh, I wish I never did that. That would be everybody in this room, right? All of us have. And his consequences were great. You know why? Because his entrustment was great. And when we're entrusted with much, we have to know our future. We have to know what God has put on our life. Because if we don't, then we won't understand that our choices don't just affect us, but they affect the people around us. And there is no one, this is really the truth, there's no one who is more ready to be used by the Spirit of God than one who is humble and contrite in spirit. That is what, that's so powerful. And David knew, this is what's so amazing, David knew something was off. David knew something wasn't right. He knew it, that's why he keeps saying it over again. Cleanse me, wash me, purify me. He knew that the sins that he was committing was affecting God's spirit using him in his kingship. Otherwise, he wouldn't be so full of repentance. Do you see that? And how many of you know, when God challenges us and convicts us, all of us have choice. Like God's not gonna chase you down. He's not gonna try to convince you. Again, if his spirit's convicting us, it's always into something better. But David knew, and it's like the truth is, I'll just say, temporary fulfillments in this life are so not worth an exchange for the spirit of God. They're just not. David knew that. That's why his heart is so full of repentance. That's why his heart is this posture of, Lord, would you create this in me? Because it's not there. I have felt like that. I have felt like, Lord, I do not want to obey what you're asking me to do. So will you create that in me? Will you bring it to existence? What doesn't exist, the things that you're moving me towards, will you put your spirit inside of me that moves me to obedience? That's what David is doing here. Can I just propose to us tonight that we need to learn to recognize, you need to as an individual, learn to recognize when God's spirit lifts from you. So how many of you ever say something or do something and you just have a check that it's wrong? Come on. God's spirit, this is Romans 5, God's spirit. God's spirit in us that identifies with us that we belong to him as his children. So we should walk into places and just feel, when something's not right, we should feel it. When you do something that's wrong, you should know it. And when you know it, that's God's spirit in you identifying that you belong to Jesus. And that's how we recognize God's spirit on us. And can we not just live more, I mean, this is one of my prayers. Lord, I wanna be so sensitive to your spirit that when you lift, I wanna know. Did I say something? Did I do something? Did I interact? And I am sensitive to this. I'm going to tell you, this is something, I'm, I mean, I work towards this. I want to know. You know why? Because it's not worth having less of God's spirit. 
Like that temporary fulfillment, that temporary sin, that temporary engagement, whatever it is. Like it's not worth having less of God's power on my life. And not only that, I don't know about you, but like when God convicts me for something, like I can tell how comfortable I am in a sin by how long I'll negotiate it before I give it up. Come on. Like how long can I, that sit with me? Because if that can sit with me for a long time, that means my heart is a bit hard. I want to be one who lives in a place like when I sin, when I say something wrong, which I do, and when I do things that aren't good, which I do, and you know, just I, that I just have like that check. And it's like, okay, Lord, where's that? This is one of the things on, that I've asked the Lord for, is that, and especially when I am having trouble kind, kind, uh, trying to navigate something, is that I always go back to, like when I get a check about something, I'm trying to figure it out, I always go back to where I lost my peace. Where did I lose that? Because that's probably the moment that I did something, said something, something that I'm like not open to the spirit of God. Does that make sense? Where did I lose my peace? Because peace is an indicator of God's presence on your life. Because peace is not only leads us, but God is peace. He is shalom. And it is one of the ways that God leads us. And where we lose our peace, we have to go back and say, hmm, what's going on there? That's one of the ways that I know I've just kind of missed the mark of it. And then we just go before the Lord again. And we pray what David prayed. Lord, wash me. Cleanse me. And then, Lord, would you create in me? Would you actually sustain me? Will you renew me? Lord, would you repair the places in me? Like, I, I have, you know, made stupid decisions throughout my life. And I'm, my prayer is like, Lord, would you repair like, go beyond and bring repair, whatever needs to happen, whatever situation. All throughout my life, I pray that. Because I'm somebody who keeps growing and keeps changing. And so are you. And so when you grow and you emerge and you change, how many know you make mistakes along the way? So what am I? I'm a parent. Come on. Lord, would you go, like, on overdrive here, here repair anything that needs to be repaired? It's one of the things... Reasons and why I really take time out with kids when kids want to talk to me because, and people asked me like 20, 30 years ago, why do you do that? I'm like, because I'm investing. I'm investing so that God will send people across my kids' path down the road. And that's when my kids were, you know, babies. And that's, those are investments that I'm sowing into that because it's it being intentional. But Lord, would you repair, like all through our life, Lord, would you repair the mis for the mistakes, the stupid things we've done? Would you bring healing to that? Would you restore that? That's how good God's spirit is, is that he heals us in all kinds of ways. We're body, we're soul, and we're spirit. And he restores us, he restores us right. That's one of the, that's one of the things I love about Jesus is that when he heals us, he just heals us right. And when he repairs, he does it right. He just does it in the way that only God can do. So my encouragement to us tonight is how quick are you to recognize God's spirit, you know, changing on your life? How quick is you recognize it? God's spirit, in fact, even I, I say this to leaders, like we've got to learn to recognize when God's spirit's in the church and when God's moving in, in certain ways or when God's left the church, we, don't we want to know? Well, it's the same thing in our own life. Like, is there anything in my life, Lord, that I'm, I'm exchanging for more of your presence? And so we land in this promise. 
Lord, create things in me. Create your spirit in me in ways that doesn't exist right now. Isn't that a great promise? Bring it into existence. That means you don't have to wait till you feel it. So you can't use the excuse of, well, I don't really feel like I want to do that right now. Because that promise is that God can actually bring it, to, cause it to come into existence. That's a great promise. Amen? Why don't you stand? I would encourage you to read through the life of David if you haven't. How God trained David. David's up and downs. It's a, it's, a, it's a great model for kingship, but it's also a great model for understanding when God gives us and entrusts responsibility to us. You know, there's a, there's a whole training ground for that. And, you know, David did really well for a very long time before he got off track. And God just needed to bring him right again. Like, so we can go for a really long time. I'm like, one of my prayers is, Lord, please let me finish well. Please let me finish well. Like, that's one of my prayers. Because how many know it's a whole race? Hello? It's a whole race, right? This is a marathon. This isn't a sprint. I, I want to I finish well. I want to do well. I want to finish well here tonight. I want to finish well next week. I want to finish at the end of my life well. I want to go to sleep and go be at Jesus. That's really, you know, not next week, but, you know, in that context. All right, let's just pray for ourselves. Put your hand over your heart. Again, if you're new, like this isn't going to hurt you, okay? We're just praying God's word over us. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of your word. Again, Lord, just the examples of those who have gone before us, Lord. Lord, we, we pray, Lord, for more Nathans in the church. Lord, that you would raise mothers and fathers up and prophetic voices, Lord, to speak into our lives and to speak into the church in healthy ways. Lord, that would just align us as the church. We do cry out for that, Lord. We need that around the world. And Lord, we thank you for the, the model and the gift of David. We thank you, Lord, that his, his life and his journey is another example to us, Lord. We thank you for that tonight. We thank you for the model of repentance and humility. And Lord, we thank you, uh, Lord, that you are a good God who loves to forgive and loves to set us free and loves to repair us and loves to renew us and loves to sustain us and loves to put a willing, a willingness inside of us to follow you. Lord, restore to us the joy of your salvation We pray, Lord, your word over us, upon us, within us. I pray, Lord, that for each person here, Lord, that you would create in us, Lord, more space for your spirit to move. I pray, Lord, that where there's any area, Lord, where we just need to repent or make things right. Lord, help us to be quick to repent. Just to be quick. And we just need your presence, Lord. We just, we do not want to live life without your spirit. So align us, Lord. Lord.